Welcome back. This is the TKW podcast. That is the Knicks Wall podcast for first-time listeners. Mike Cortez here, joined by Kyle Maggio and Sean Geddes, who are, we're fired up today, guys. After a, much like the Knicks in the fourth quarter, they were fired up, lost to the Suns, 128-105, back-to-back blowout losses. And let's just start with last night, because without Quickly and Burks, scoring was bad. Alfred Payton, bad. Frank Nielakina. Not great. Uh, Sean, you worked the game. I'll toss it over to you. What the hell happened in that fourth? Because they played 35 good minutes. Then from the one minute left in the third to the fourth, disaster struck. So let's get into it. Yeah, man. Last night, I mean, the first loss to the Suns, it hurt. It was painful in terms of like just, you know, it hurt our feelings. But it was a, it was, it was a good loss. It wasn't a bad loss. Last night was a really, really, really bad loss. I mean... We were, we were with them. We played well. Um, I think it also hurt not having IQ and Burks. That hurt us more in the second half than it did in the first because when the offense went dead going into the fourth, when the momentum shifted, we didn't have our momentum shifters outside of D. Rose, and they were able to focus a lot of attention on him, and he was really the like he was responsible for most of the creation. Uh, I don't know why we won't go to RJ in the post against Chris Paul more often. Like I don't understand why that was only a one-time thing last night. And he's being cleared out so other people can ISO. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and the, but the RJ, RJ really screwed us toward, to the end of the third. Uh, that turnover was horrible. Um, that I nobody boxed out Tory Craig coming down like that on the original layup in the first place. Um, we had to close that quarter with more urgency, and we never recovered from that. It's crazy that. Four-point swing, I've never seen something be so devastating in a game. We never recovered from the shift of momentum and energy after that happened. Like, we, we took punches and we didn't fight back. Uh, we, we got killed in the pick and roll. Chris Paul got upset, and then he went like, Chris, he said, oh, okay, you're going to foul me? He kept saying that after everything he did, and he was killing us. He was, even on, he did, he did one move where I was just like, yo, I've been watching Chris Paul my entire life. And I don't think I've seen him do this before. Like he came through the lane and he faked out the camera even. Like we, I only saw it on the replay. Um, so, I mean, it was bad. It got bad quickly last night. Um, no pun intended. But it was pretty sad. Yeah, capped off a 9-0 run. It was 88-81 at one point. Knicks were up. Literally a minute left. Not gassing it. One minute left in the third quarter. And a 9-0 run capped off by that four-point swing. As Sean said, Kyle, without Quickly and Burks, man, it was rough. And Alfred was rough and Frank was rough. What the hell's going on with the point guards? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Like, I was frustrated watching the game last night, but I wasn't that upset. Like, like Sean's point about the four-point swing killing us was very reminiscent of old Knicks times, even just back to, like, last year when, like, you know, you guys know the story. We would have we, any team, as talented as they weren't most years, 
they would find themselves up 15, 20 points in a game, any given night. One thing goes wrong, and then they couldn't handle it. And then basically, they would just unravel slowly, let the game go. In that sense, I was annoyed last night. But in the other sense, this is the best team in the NBA so far. Um, you know, the Suns have been really, really good across the board. And, you know, you go to Phoenix, it's going to be a tough game. And, and it was, and it was hard for us to keep up. Um, I, I do think that for me last night, I was a little bit bummed by, I don't know if it was entirely effort, but a little bit of effort, which late in a season like this, I, again, I try not to like, it's been a good season. I'm trying not to like belabor weird points or anything, but I felt like, it was some boneheaded stuff mixed with some stuff that, you know, like that, like the RJ turnover. Like he just really, he's, he's made some bad ones this year. That It was very boneheaded to me. Like he hasn't made anything like clearly like that this season, you know? So, all right, it happens, whatever. You know, I felt Alfred was just running around doing nothing last night. Uh, just, and, and not just Alfred. I, 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 more broadly, I'm annoyed in the non rose guard minutes. Um, basically I felt we would play four on five most of the game. And, like, the Suns have firepower. Like, everybody talks about, like, Booker and CP3, of course, but, like, Bridges is not nothing on offense. He's he's a legitimate, I, I would say, clearly 3 and D guy with more upside than that. You know, he's not just a 3 and D guy. He he gets to the paint a lot. He goes baseline on the Knicks a lot, right? So there's that. We, we know Aiton is very, very good. I think people gloss over that sometimes because of the Luka draft, but he's, like, just a very obviously good player who just keeps getting better. There are a lot to deal with, you know? Campaigns come along, become a player. He killed us. I think he had 15 off the bench, something like that. I mean, they got a lot of good guys that know how to play good, smart basketball, and if it, we slip up even a little bit, they, they would pounce, and they did, and we didn't have the firepower to keep up with, that, especially without Quickly and Burke. So, you know, Randall did his thing. RJ had an all right night, you know, but I, I was just more frustrated, like, we already know the non-shooting from the guards is an issue. Like, just a, a chronic team issue that they have to deal with this season. And there's been a lot of... I, we, we always like we always talk about the last most recent game as the talking point because that's what you have to do on the podcast. But there's been a lot of nights like that. And they've overcome some of them when the guards aren't shooting. But, like, last night, Alfred goes off for, what, five points, three rebounds, a couple assists. Frank comes in, plays on the same amount of minutes. He gives you one total assist and a turnover. You know, it's like, it's not all about the box score stuff, but sometimes it is, is the best way I like to put it. Like, it's not it's not the end-all, be-all. I thought Frank's defense in the first half was fine. It was good. I thought in the second half it really wasn't. Um, and even if it was, it probably wasn't going to be enough. They needed some scoring. So... I, I think Derrick Rose has done an excellent job, about as good as a job as you could ask for him to do in, in this role, um, both sides of the basketball. Um, but he's not going to play 48 minutes. Uh, he's not going to play 35, 40 minutes even, most nights this season, because especially when he's not starting. And uh, I don't know. I, I just thought the Knicks were out man last night, to be quite honest. But the, that, that guard issue to me is like the crux of what's going to happen for them in the playoffs, because you know how the playoffs work and they scheme to like really press and bring those weaknesses to the forefront. And I thought the Suns did a good job of sort of like exposing that with us. We're like, all right, it's going to be very difficult to beat us playing four on five. And I feel like teams are starting to take note of that more and more, especially as we head into the playoffs here. So, you know, obviously 
with quickly and Burks, things are a little bit different, but that's something that, you know, the Knicks really got to be cognizant of as we uh, try to tighten up here. And we've been ringing the alarm for a couple of weeks now where they're facing better teams and better teams are going to exploit your weaknesses. And you said it best. It's four on five. They're playing shorthanded when Elf's out there particularly. And thankfully Thibodeau only played him six minutes in the first half because even he realized it just wasn't working. Because if Elf's not going to score, which he's mostly not on most nights, let's be real, you got to at least play defense or give an effort of playing defense. And it was just absent. And that's where I think, I sound like a broken record here, I really do think the compromise is easy where you just shelf Elf, give Frank those 10-15 minutes, because I still think him playing next to Rose works. He's not a point guard. I've said that going back to last year now. Frank is not a point guard. Move quickly into the starting lineup before the playoffs, ideally next game whenever he's healthy, and then keep Rose with Frank. This elf is just, he's a zero right now. He's just a flat-out zero. Yeah, and oh, go ahead, Sean. It's, you go ahead, because I have a lot to say about Alfred Payton. No, I was just going <laughs> to say, I agree. I just think realistically, you know he's not going to, even if you didn't shelf elf entirely, because we've, we've been over this, exact scenario like 15 different ways over the course of the season sometimes approaching it thinking we have like a new angle or surely Tibbs has to give in this time or you know we, we always have a new a new like th- this has got to be it moment you know and I feel like the inevitable is that Elf is going to play I thought the, the compromise like you said was bring Elf at least off the bench ele- elevate the more offensively uh, you know skilled players here the guards that we have to play with these guys and again I do agree with even giving Frank some time. I'm not even a big Frank guy, as you guys know at this point, but I don't see how it hurt. I mean, the three-point shooting, as little as he's played, has not fallen off a cliff either. I mean, I know he hasn't done as much lately, but his percentage is still intact enough for me to be intrigued enough more than an Alfred being out there uh, for some of those minutes. And I just think some of the guys on the bench actually make more sense with Elf. I think that's the healthy compromise if, you know, you know he's not going to start quickly. So Rose... To me, it's still our best shot, but in a perfect world, I agree, Mike, because quickly, I got asked this question again th- this morning about if I view quickly as a point guard. I do on this specific team because positions don't matter. All that I think about when you guys ask me that question is that's another slot on the floor that his skill set works in. All that I, that's all that I think about. I, I don't look at any of these guys positionally. Randall, to me, is playmaker one, the engine of the offense. RJ is like the mini engine, playmaker two. You know, it's, it's very obvious stuff. So if you have both those guys operating as your four and basically your three, you just need shooting up top. That's very simple. It's, it's a very, like, basketball common sense, right? So quickly then fits the bill. Reggie fits the bill, right? Those are the two shooters that you want out there with, the, with Randall and RJ specifically. I don't know how it doesn't make sense to people. I think you could do that, and Rose is still a great volume bench score. I, see how it, I, I don't see how this disrupts anything other than make it, like, making the pieces fit. So that's why it gets frustrating for me. And you would think in the playoffs, you would want to add another lethal layer like that against what is surely going to be a very tight rotation that they're playing, right? They're going to be playing seven, eight-man rotations. That's how the playoffs always are. So don't, don't you want to make them sweat? I, I just don't... The, the last, my last point before I defer to Sean here. The defense has been great all year. The defense cannot hold all year. It cannot hold throughout the playoffs. The last 10 games, they've slid to ninth and D rating, which still is very good. Let's not pretend it isn't. Okay, it's still top 10. But going from 
top three concrete all year to starting to slide a little bit, it kind of shows like, okay, well, if you guys aren't going to defend at that top pinnacle level all year, then you for sure have to be scoring a little bit more to keep up. And if you're not, we don't have margin for error, as you guys have now seen. So it, it puts us in a little bit of a pickle. It's not the end of the world. We know this was a tough trip. They have more winnable games coming up. But it just, again, losses like this are good sometimes. They're healthy in exposing some of these problems. Like, you, you got to look at them for what they are sometimes against the better teams. And the, I agree. And, Mike, you said we've been sounding this, sounding the drum for weeks. Nah, we've been sounding this for months. Like, it's been months. Like, the Heat, four on five does months ago. I think that was February or January. Like, this is, this is not new. And, you know, we got to a point where we all accepted that he's playing, that he's starting. Okay, I was there. I wasn't saying anything anymore. I'm trying to, every single night, I try to approach it with a fresh slate. I really do. But like you said, last night's game brought out the weaknesses and it made you really see things. And for anything, we, we missed an offensive punch for sure. But just that third quarter, like the way that Alfred Payton was playing the screen was awful. It was so bad that it almost looked like everybody was bad. But when you just watch, it was Alfred Payton and it made Nerlens have to overplay. And then Nerlens had to overplay to pick up the ball handler, but Elf wasn't dropping to cover the screener. And if you, even if you drop to cover the screener, just to cover that passing lane, then Julius can come over, tap him, they can switch. It happens all the time. Emmanuel quickly, they say he's a liability defensively, but he's in excellent position all the time. And the Knicks do a great job of coverages and finding out what they got to do and getting guys in the right places when guys make efforts and when guys rotate. Alfred Payton broke down the defense completely last night and not as an offensive point guard. Like he broke down our defense. It's the only defense I've watched him break down all year. It was insane. He wasn't trying to get to the screens. He wasn't covering the screener. On one play, he literally stopped and watched the play as Nerlens picked up Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton slipped to the basket and got a wide open dunk. He just stopped and watched the play. And then I was wondering, damn, why are we giving up these corner threes like this? Why are we doing such a bad job covering the corners? Why is RJ sinking all the way in? Oh, it's not even just RJ anymore. Why is Julius sinking all the way in? Because the point guard's not picking up the ball handler or the roller. So somebody in the corner has to step in, and now we're getting sprayed by corner threes. The defense just broke down so terribly. Like, would we have stopped them every possession? Maybe not. But runs start by stopping the other team. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, Frank, he didn't score last night. He didn't provide anything offensively. Oh, he also didn't have any. I don't think he had any minutes of point guard. I think when he was out there, he was out there with Rose the whole time. So, I mean, he, he wasn't expected to be a point guard, but he was doing a great job defensively in the first half. I don't understand why he wasn't on the pick and roll in the second half. Because the, the way that he defended the pick and roll just pointed out the glaring difference in how Alfred Payton wasn't even trying. Because Frank was fighting through them. He was getting over them. He was cutting off the, he was beating the screener to the spot. He was going, getting back to the screen. On one play, he got caught by the screen. So then he, like, dropped and guarded Kaminsky. And then once he felt RJ come help him, he like ran back out to get, uh, get Chris Paul in the corner and crowded him in the corner. And I was just like, how is this guy even doing all this? It's just effort. It's, it's effort. And it's like caring about defense. He made our defense a lot better when he was on the floor and uh, shout out to Frank Barrett. He put a thread together. Like when I said it in post game pouting and he put like a thread. And if you watch the thread, I don't know how anybody can still make any cases for Alfred Payton being on the floor. He makes us worse offensively. 
He hurts us defensively, and we're approaching the playoffs now. So we have to start figuring things out. Like Kyle said, you have two primary creators. You can put Quick out there, but I've given up the dream of putting Emmanuel quickly in the starting lineup. Whatever. Start Derrick Rose. Bring Emmanuel quickly off the bench. Have him in front. Whatever you got to do. But Elf on the floor at this point, we're wasting time. And you can't, like you said, teams go to eight-man rotations. You can't waste any time in the playoffs. Every single quarter is a game. So any, any minute that's wasted and like having, I'm so tired of watching us start a game slowly and then having Derrick Rose come in and we go on this crazy run. It, it, how much louder can it get, man? Like, I just can't see this. It's the, the regular season games we've given up. It's frustrating. You know, whatever. We're here. We've done a great job. This team is excellent. I don't want to sound like I'm down on the team or anything, but it's just like the stakes are high now. We're getting to the playoffs. And I don't want to see us getting killed by the same things we were getting killed by in January. Well, Thib had a, not excuse, but he explained the corner three part. He said basically they wanted to shut down Paul and Booker because in their first meeting, as we remember, it was the Paul and Booker show. So they were forcing everyone else to beat them, and that's kind of what led to the corner threes. But that doesn't excuse the lack of effort. It just doesn't. And one note on Frank, because... I'm a Frank guy, but I'm fading. Great defense, great effort, but two attempts last night. Like, you got to give something at least. I mean, like, it's just, he's just non-existent out there. So it's like, he is good. He's smart. But at some point, you kind of got to grab the opportunity for yourself. You can't just exist out there. And that's like my main thing with Frank. And I hope he gets minutes. But if he doesn't, what am I really going to say? Because one assist and one turnover in 15 minutes of play. And I know you're playing good defense, but my man, do something. At least try. Like, I'd rather see Frank go 0 for 5. I know I'm hypocritical because if Elf goes 0 for 5, I'm through the roof. But, you know, Frank, you got to be aggressive too, though. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, he's just got to do more end of the day, especially when you, the entire reason for this Elf opener bullshit we've had to deal with all year. And, I, and that's basically what he has become, right? He plays the bulk of his minutes up front, he comes back in for a little spell to start the second half, and then he's usually done for the game. He's a, a, by definition, he's an opener. He's like, for whatever reason, you don't really have a good starting pitcher as, you, as your fourth or fifth man anymore in baseball. That's like not what happens because baseball's weird uh, in, in the modern age. So then you're just like, ah, who's the best guy we got in the bullpen today? I just bring him in for like two innings, see what happens. I don't know. Like, that's literally what I'll face this. Like, we don't have a point guard. It's like, all right, just bring an elf. Let's just see what happens. Ten minutes. It's the warm-up. I don't know. And then he never plays the important minutes. So, like, Tibbs already figured out that he doesn't want Elf on the floor when shit gets real. Which is why it's so confusing that he leaves him on... Like, I'm not going to complain about last night, so to speak, because if Burks, who's being used as a, as a point guard off the bench, and also quickly, who's obviously a guard, are both out, and that's a, a bulk of your second unit offense, like, all right, like, you, you're going to have to live with... Elf and Frank not being good. Like, that's the roster you've constructed. You know those guys don't provide anything for you on offense. You dug your own grave there, like, in this situation with the injuries. Like, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I just don't get... Like, like the whole point of starting Elf, right, is so that the second unit is good. And then if there's no second unit guys to come in and be good, like, Rose is the only one. So, you know, in the non-Rose minutes, once for the 15th time in the spot, it's going to get rough for you. It's like, then there's no real benefit to the second unit. 
That's that's why we heard about quickly and Rose wouldn't couldn't be starters is because they're so effective off the bench. They're doing so much scoring against these other teams that why would you even bother to switch? They're blowing these teams out of the water once it comes to bench against bench, you know. So, all right, but then like you got to adjust. The, the playoffs like you're not gonna have that luxury. Like no like no offense. Like Rose isn't coming off and and busting everybody's ass every game because there's not all these bums he's gonna be playing against. He's gonna be playing against just like the other starters now for the most part. So it's like, what, what, what's the adjustment you're going to make? Like, and if you're going to make it to me, like, you got to make it now. Like, why, why then start off all year? And then when the playoffs come, you're like, all right, now we're starting Derrick Rose. It's like, well, then that doesn't make much sense either. Like, thank you for doing it, finally, but why, why now? Like, wouldn't you want to then build some sort of a rhythm? So I look at this next week as they wrap up the 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 West Coast trip here, Clippers and Lakers, and then leading into the homestand to, to finish the season. It's like decision-making time. Like, are, are you going to make that switch finally? You, you know you have to cut some guys out of this rotation one way or another. Are, are we really making sure that Alfred Payton has a spot in the playoff rotation for 20 opener minutes? There's not really opener minutes to waste in the playoffs. So I, now more than ever, is like I hate even bringing up the conversation like Sean said because it's like you just sort of resign to the fact that Alfred starts Rosen quickly are off the bench, and that's what it is. But it just doesn't really make much sense at this point, given where the stakes are going to be. Like, I, I just don't get, like, like now what's your appeal? Like, what, what's the upside of doing that? I think the compromise is moving Burks into the starting lineup then, because it's something he Thibodeau did in the preseason, I believe. You can't go to the sink? And I think it worked, because Burks is similar I'm to quickly, and they're just microwave offense, and... With Randall and Barrett, as you guys said, the call is they're the playmakers already. So you kind of just need a scorer there because the problem with Elf or Frank, and it's more you play them out there with Noel, who's just a rim runner. That you keep running. Now you have two offensive voids for the most part, unless Noel's catching a lob. So I think you just got to move Burks up there, and like you said, with the playoff minutes, you got to bring. He said Thibodeau said it last night. You got to bring forty-eight good minutes, and it's kind of hard when you're putting yourself in a hole six minutes into the game. It's just. Climbing back is just for no reason. It's, you just got to make it some type of adjustment. So, oh, no, Sean, go ahead. I was just, just going to say, so if we can get off the Suns game briefly, um, I, I never expect to win in Denver. I just want to, I don't even like talking about when they go to, De- if you guys have ever listened on this podcast, we often skip or gloss over whenever they, they travel to Denver. To me, as far as I'm concerned, I don't. Doesn't matter when they have good teams. Doesn't matter when they have bad teams. This is a long time thing. It's an instant. It's an instant L. I don't even. I don't even bother. That's like the house of horrors for the Knicks. I don't even bother to consider they might win. I just know that, like, for whatever reason, we're just gonna lose. Like, we just don't go to Denver and win. This is. It's a known thing. How long has it been? It's, it's like 15 the years. Last right? time the Knicks won. NBA yeah, Live was the popular years. basketball game the last time the Knicks won in Denver. Well, it was Jamal Crawford. We, we know it was the Jamal Crawford yeah. game. Which which was uh, what yeah. year was it? Nine two thousand oh six. Oh six, right? Oh six. Oh six. Yeah, yeah. NBA Live was still. It's popular. so stu- it's That's so stupid to me. Half of my I'm thirty years old. Half of my existence on this planet, they haven't won a basketball game in, in Denver. <laughs> like that that that's the so okay. They lost the game in Denver, right? Let's just that happened. It's almost impressive. Yeah, it was almost an impressive loss with how bad it went. I don't even want to discuss it further than that. Uh, I don't want to give uh, the the great pudgy one, number 15, in in that Denver uniform, any airtime on this Knicks podcast. Uh, I, I do not want to do it. It was it was a bad game. They killed us. They whooped us. 
moving right along, we have the Clippers who can we get a little bit of load management help? Uh, I feel like everybody else got to have Clippers and load management all year. I would I would like one of, if not both, Paul George and Kawhi. You got to get ready for the playoffs, man. Lakers are weak. You got to pounce. So, I mean, why not now? Um, Lakers look awful, though. Uh, AD's fighting for his life. He still made a glass. Uh, no, no Braun, no, no Schroeder. Uh, Kuz and, and Drummond combined for eight points last night. I mean, that's not... Uh, for anybody who was wondering why we didn't want Andre Drummond, uh, this is why we didn't want Andre Drummond. Uh, he's And it's not even just this game. We could look at, like, any of the games he's had for the most part. He's done nothing like anybody was hoping he was going to do there. So, again, maybe that changes in the playoffs with LeBron. It sure can. I think it was just an awful idea. And anyway, I'm looking forward to now playing Andre Drummond on the Lakers when we go play the, uh, you know, play them uh, at Staples. So, I don't know about you guys, these last five games. I think three and two is reasonable. I think they're going to go two and three or three and two is the way I see it. I think they're going to split the LA games. I don't know how, but I think they're going to split them. Um, and then I think of those last three, I think you got to, you got to try to get to like, you got to, you have to like, there's, you can't go back home, play a Spurs team. That's 10th out West. Hornets are fighting for their lives to stay in. Celtics are fighting for their lives to stay in. All the pressure's on them. So you just got to come home. Really, just take care of business these last couple games and then go from there. But I'm I'm more hopeful now. Like, we already got the annoying part of the trip out of the way, I, I think. Like, that's my internal. They weren't going to win every game this year. They just won nine in a row, like 12 of 13. They weren't going to keep that pace up. They're going to lose a couple games. You lost to Denver. Okay, that's you could schedule that one in. You lost to the best team in the NBA in Phoenix. All right, that happens. Hopefully, you get one of these next two before you go home. And then from there, you, you could you could easily win all three of those games, too. At MSG. It's not unreasonable. Yo, I was so frustrated yesterday because exactly what you're saying, like that, that sounds pretty simple, but I was doing the tweets for TKW yesterday and like the whole, like there were so many people like, Oh, this, this is a fail. Like you see this team isn't good enough. Blah, blah, blah. We haven't, Mike, you saw the guy. I was like, we, we haven't beaten a good team all year. Yo, I was like, bro, that guy what? got me so mad. Like, what the fuck are you watching the whole game season, bro? Like, people really think they have the same record as the Lakers, by the way. 37 and 30. You're telling me, he said Milwaukee and Dallas. I was just like, okay, bro. So you're telling me 35 more wins came against straight bums? Shut your mouth. Like, come on. Like, the things that people say for their narratives. And I was just like, you know. So, and people were just acting like, oh, this one guy was like, we're going to lose every game the rest of the season. I was like, yo, like, I hate when you guys overreact like this. He was like, is it an overreaction if it's true? And then blah, blah, blah. And he's like, watch and see. And I was like, so are you now like rooting for us to lose every game of the season so that you can be right? That's what it sounds like. Like, is that the angle you're taking on fanhood? I, I know that as Nick fans, we have lost a lot and we have been conditioned to just be in losing, you know? I'm watching Game of Thrones, and when, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ramsey did what he did to Theon. Theon was a broken man. Like, he didn't, you know, he was broken. He was losing. Don't be a loser, okay? Break out of it. It's okay. Like, there are a few games left. We have a three-game homestand to end the season against the Spurs, Charlotte, and Boston, and people were trying to tell me that we're not on those teams' levels. I was like, we're not on the Charlotte Hornets level all of a sudden because we lost to the best team in the NBA, missing two key, vital pieces of our rotation. Of, like, you know, don't 
Yeah, just stop it. Stop it. The sky's not falling, and stop trying to be the first one to forecast the sky falling. It's nasty. Um, Cut it out, and that's not the energy we need. So I, I just don't get it. Yeah. No, I agree, I agree with you. And again, I'd like to... I've been trying to change my own narrative personally because it feels like everybody really only thinks that I'm this angry, negative fan all the time, which is strange with, with how much I've backed so many of the guys that are pay, like doing well now, like RJ, Randall, everybody else. But I, I like to remind everybody, like, Let's just be reasonable here. They, they're like, to me, like worst case scenario is like, they're going to get fifth. Like that, that's how I feel. And I'm the negative one. Like I feel that they can't even drop that far. They, they have like a, like a two game lead over the heat. The Celtics are in the play in right now. Like they would have to really dramatically fuck this up in a way that is unique for this team. Because this team specifically has been just totally like I was talking to my friends the other day, um, sort of on the Tibbs Coach of the Year stuff. But like, just the fact that like you know what to get at, like what you're gonna get out of them every single night, is such a big deal for the most part. And like the blowouts and the off nights look so strange now because of that consistency. Even in games they've lost, like we, they've lost so many games this year. Even when they were 500 most of the year, they were losing games, and like we didn't even flinch. We were just like. Yeah, it was a good game they lost. I don't know. That's how we felt most of the time. Like, yeah, a couple, couple things, but good game again. They were right there. I don't know. New Knicks. Look at them being competitive. So that's kind of how I feel. It's like, I don't know why we're being dramatic now when we knew, everybody knew that this was going to be a tough trip. The West Coast trip is tough for everybody, every team. It's a tough trip. Nobody likes them because they're tough. So if that's the expectation, we have to know that not only that we're going to lose on this trip, we're going to lose a couple times. And that in those couple times, at least, we're going to get our asses kicked once, twice, right? Like, that's, I don't know. Like, I feel like we, we don't have this uh, institutional knowledge that we should as, as, as Knicks fans sometimes. Like, like you said, Sean, like, you should just know kind of what to expect on certain things and know when to reel it in. To me, I just don't see the, the, the big, like, they're going to, they're gonna, I don't know if they're going to get home court, right? Like, I would hope, I would hope they hang on the four. I think they got to go three and two to hang on which is not unreasonable for them to do with the last five games. And I think with some help, because the Heat actually don't have an easy schedule to close out either, and they're also fighting to avoid the play-in. They got to play the Celtics My- twice. Right? Like, that's not, that's not great. So I feel pretty safe about we're going to be top five. I, personally, they, they could probably go two and three with the Heat schedule and then we, we sort of fall ass backwards into five. Like, no matter which way, I'm not going to feel upset about it. I'm not going to feel gross about it if they stumble into the playoffs as a five seed. I just don't care. If, they, if you finish top five, you've far exceeded expectations to me. All, all you had to, to, to me, hitting or exceeding expectations would have been like getting to the play in. And the fact that we're like still just about avoiding them, again, not out of the woods, but I'm pretty confident here. We didn't even have Burks or quickly. Like, if we get those guys back next five games, I think we win a couple games, basically split them, and we ride off into the sunset. Like everybody's got to relax. Like Sean said, everybody's used to losing. We're in a, we're in a good spot. We're like especially out east with the teams that we're neck and neck with. It's, I, everybody relax. It's just we don't have the West Coast trip coming up again in the playoffs. This is like a one t- one time a year deal. We got it at the end of the season. It stinks. It could have happened last month. We would have gotten this out of the way. We so happen to get it now. I don't like it, but 
when we did mock the tough schedule thing, this was part of the tough second half schedule, might I add. Talking to myself here because two pods, three pods ago, I was literally mocking this was the tough second half schedule. Ha! And now, you know, we just saw the last couple games. So take it with a grain of salt and just relax. I don't know what to tell people. Or just remember right before the nine game winning streak, they dropped two or three games to good teams and then they rip off nine wins. So you're going to lose games. It's just, it's just how it is. There's ebbs and flows to the season. That's just natural. And I think some of it is just most Nick fans have been waiting for the second shoe to fall all season. And then back-to-back losses were like, oh, here it is. It's finally here. So I would, if you are on that camp, I would just say take a deep breath. Wait till they get back from L.A. because they haven't been good on the road all year. They're 15-19 and 19 on the road. They're just better at the Garden. That's how it always is. And that's why I really want the fourth seed. But Kyle hit on it when he was speaking. It's the expectations have shifted so drastically that we forgot where we were just a year ago where the playing game was best case scenario. Now it's like a worst case scenario at this very moment. So remember where we've come and Thibodeau said it last night, iron sharpens iron. They're in these games. Well, Denver was Denver, but they were in the game last night and the Clippers remember in January, the Clippers said those boys are real. And the Clippers gave them their A-plus game, and they're bringing all these teams to bring their A-plus game. Chris Paul said it, too. He said, these guys treat every game like a playoff game that you can't take the night off against them. So that's what you should be focusing on, not getting blown out like Jokic. Hey, you know what? He's an MVP candidate. I give him a lot of respect for going right at Randall, Randall's team, rather, and dominating. It just is what it is. So focus on the good stuff and just stop being downers, man. That's it. You know, it's, yeah, that's, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they, they got a good team. They've had a good team. I like, I, I trust them more or less. Like uh, to me, and, and I'm it, again, on this pod, I've been loudly for a long time going, you can never give this team, this franchise, the benefit of the doubt. It's like this team, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, me and Sean say it all the time. We're nothing if we're not fair to me. They've earned the benefit of the doubt this season. Like they, they've shown a, a sort of uh, an ability to bounce back in these situations. Most of the time, it's the very next game. Uh, I'm not going to knock them now because they, they hit a little bit worse adversity by losing two, you know, two, three games in a row. Oh, my God, on a West Coast trip. Like, I'm not losing my mind. Like, let's, let's see what happens to close this thing out. Because, again, the, the Clippers don't scare me either is another thing. Like, I understand that they're contenders too. But, like, the Knicks played them well. I'm not overly... I'm not like worried about them the way I would be worried about like a, a fully healthy Lakers. That to me is more concerning, but now if you're the, the Knicks, you just got to kind of worry about whatever that Clippers lineup is going to look like. Cause I feel like I've seen so many versions of who's been healthy and out for them this season and then uh, get to the Lakers. And to me, if you just got to circle the, the Lakers game is take care of business. I know Anthony Davis is healthy, but they're extremely shorthanded otherwise. And this is a team with good chemistry and, and Guys should be back for that game uh, on the Knicks end and circle that one. Go home on a high note and let's just take care of business. Everybody's got to relax, though. But speaking of taking care of business, I want to do professional transition. It was good. Uh, to some housekeeping. Little uh, Julius Randle uh, extension talk came back up recently. I think it was a Windhorst article that sparked it this time. Um, sort of alluding to the the 
not problem, but you know, it, it's always like the next thing on a, a team's docket when they got to pay uh, a star. And in this case, uh, we know Randall has the option for next season, but the the initially rumored extension was like four years, one oh six, which uh, all of us pretty unanimously didn't even balk at. We were just sort of like, yeah, I would do that yesterday. Are you kidding me? The new figure that was tossed out was like four years, $150 million. And to that, even then, I didn't really flinch. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm just going to kind of leave it right there to, to Sean. But uh, what did you feel like when you saw or, or read that number? Because to me, even then, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Just do that. Wait, it was 5150, right? Was it 5150 or 4? I think it's five because I was about to ask where four, is four one fifty sounds like a, like a lot. You're right, so it must have been five. Yeah, yeah, it was no, five one fifty. Five, five. I would. I saw somebody ask like, oh, well, it's not so much the one fifty, but it's the five that. If I was gonna sign him through his age thirty season, I would sign him through his age thirty one season <laughs> without thinking twice, uh, especially with how durable he's playing. And again, this he's on a, a Tibbs roster. I, I get it. The it's not the beginning; it's the end of uh, the Tibbs tenure that people worry about, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't really. He's like sort of one of those sort of uh, LeBron type guys in, in my own head where if they're this big and strong and get up and down the floor all the time, like I'm not that worried. This isn't it's not some like Luol Deng who wasn't like a, a, a physical specimen that he ran into the ground. You know what I mean? Like I sort of just look at Julius. and I'm just kind of never worried, which, again, I could just be wrong. That's my own detriment. But that's kind of the way I feel about it. So I would. 5150 I would happily do. Uh again, I, I bring this point up. We have nobody in the books. We're under the floor. What 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 could possibly be the harm? Um I'm signing up for 5150 for sure. Giving Julius 30 million a year at the production he's at for the next 5 years is good in my book. He, you get age 31, that's still like that that could be the tail end of his prime like dude you're giving him 30 mil a year through his prime years. And I think that he, I don't think that this is his ceiling at all. Um, he just got to this. This is like his second year being in the role of being the guy and his first year of really being coached. So, I mean, it just, I, I think it only goes up from here. I think that if you give him five years, 150, that's a wonderful number to lock him in at. Um, I had no issues with that at all. Yeah, same. Take care of you guys. Right now, the second highest paid player on the Knicks, I believe, is R.J. Barrett at like $8 million. And obviously, we have to start planning for that extension as well. That's why I'm saying, set, take care of your guys now. I'm sure Randall doesn't want to really gamble with because his price is never going to be as high as it is right now, even if he keeps the same level of play. So I would say take care of it. And this just reflects well on other players where they're saying, okay, they are changing. They're finally extending people because correct me if I'm wrong Carmelo is the only major extension that I can remember since shit I think ever oh yeah because I mean they, so, they they never had somebody to extend whether like a star talent and then before right. that <laughs> that's the they didn't too. even extend the rookies because we know all about that one well yeah yeah exactly so yeah so I just take care of your guys Randall I like you put in that much work and JJ Redick when he was on his podcast the reputation on Randall is he's a worker so I'm not really worried about him breaking down. He's not a Zion. So I, yeah, heartbeat. I'm my my last like Randall note on why it's a no brainer to me is because, um, I, I just watching him, even in like the post game interviews, um, 
whether it's you know when he's on the mic at at the garden before he walks off the floor whether it's on the zoom calls um he seems to have like i'm not just saying like bought in like in the team sense of course he's bought in that's why they're they're so good this year right everybody's bought in especially him um i mean like i think he's bought into being like a nick for a while is sort of the vibe that i get because he's sort of unprompted having these moments where he's like new york we here and like he's trying to like He's trying, you can see he's trying to like really cultivate something. He's really trying to build something here. I don't know what that, that is or, or what it'll end up being, but like, I don't see that as a guy who's trying to put the dicks back on the map and then trying to bail for someplace else and have a payday. You know what I mean? I, I think that the Knicks are going to pay up whatever it, it might be or could be. I, I don't think this is a situation where uh, either side feels like a, a deal couldn't get done. Like I, I just sort of feel like it's about what the final number is going to be. But as you guys know, I say it all the time. I don't mind overpaying. Everybody yells at me. I don't mind paying in general. Everybody yells at me. Uh, very good players deserve very good money. And like Sean said, you're going to be paying him into his prime. Like this is just year one of Julius Randle being an all NBA level player. It could just be this for four or five more years, in which case he's worth the money. Like just already at the level that he's playing at. Like he's got a, a an incredibly valued contract at this moment in time because of how well he's playing. But he could get better in you know age twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. Usually though, those are the guy that's everybody's best seasons, right? So whether that's a little bit more scoring or a little bit more assisting, or the defense gets even better, you know whatever it is that he, he adds at that point, that's sort of what you're paying for too, because you know what you got just in a one year jump. So I feel like no matter which way you slice it. You wouldn't scare me out of it. I feel like it's a, it's a good PR thing to do to take care of your people, especially for a team like the Knicks, a point we've made for a long time in the spot. I think he's deserved just for the way that he's played. I think he, based on his age, it makes sense. I think for the team trajectory, it makes sense. He's not like a 28-year-old, 29-year-old guy. You got to pay through age 34 with a mostly young team. He's a little bit older of a young bunch, but he's still young enough to fit. You can't, you can't even tell me that he wouldn't be a... a Contract somebody wouldn't want if he defends and is playmaking like this. In addition to the, he does everything. Somebody would take him somewhere. You know what I mean? That was the whole reason I wanted him in the first place. Was that worst case scenario you could trade him? You know. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's going to be here a while, guys. I think five, whether it's five, one, four, whatever they decide to do, it's a, it's a four year max or, or five year near it. Like I don't. I just think they got to get it done. Like that's kind of where I'm at. I just think you can't let him. Like walk out of here not being a Nick. Yeah, I, I think you got to get it done. You're definitely right. He's fully embraced it. Um, with it, it, everything he said, I mean, from the time he got here, he said he wanted to be here, and like you know, he really meant. It. And that's another thing when you watch him in the post game and things like that. I believe Julius Randle. Like Julius Randle seems like a pretty honest guy. He seems pretty self aware. He's kept it a buck with us. He's done the things he said. He keeps his head down. He works, and he just wants more. In the same way that he's committed to being a Nick, I think he's also just committed to being, he's bought into being a Nick. I think he's bought into being great. And I like that guy who's bought into being great, being great as a Nick. Like in Mike's piece, if anybody hasn't read it, it was great about Julius, like, you know, and his, his season and what it is in relation to other Nick seasons. He's really, he's doing some historic shit. Like every night you see the graphics of like who he's up there with and how many triple doubles or things like you know, like this is gonna. This is one of the most important seasons in the history of the Knicks. Like it's 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 the beginning of our turnaround. 
And he came here and he was committed to making that happen and he made it happen. And just the way we said he had the bonuses for the playoffs and for making all the all-star game, like he knew what he came here to do and he's doing it and he's doing, and it's happening quickly. He's bought in the tips. He is, uh, he's got the whole team going and working out when they land in cities. Like, yeah, pay that guy, like pay that guy who is like the whole culture thing. We talk about, like he has embodied that this quickly. And that's how, because like now Emmanuel quickly pulls up to gyms and he shoots when they get to the city like they all do and that that's something that you know he got passed down from Kobe and now he's in he that's the culture here like when guys come in they talk about buying in like it's like are you willing to come work the way we work like the whole team the way we work you know I you pay that guy it's simple I not that I didn't believe him but I was reminded of his debut. It was Summer League, Zion versus RJ first game. And he showed up in a dipset shirt. And, I mean, how can you ever doubt this guy? That was just like, all right, he's here. He's fully immersed in New York. And I, I just, I mentioned it in our conversation with Pearl, where I wasn't trying to say he was like Willis Reed on the floor, but in terms of what all the points Sean said of creating a culture of gym rats and hard workers, it's clear, and he sets the tone with that. When you see this guy lifting steel barrels, God knows how much they weighed in the off season, and then he's improving like this. Reward him. You got to reward him. Yeah, and my last point too was about setting reasonable expectations. Um, I, I do think a lot of times when it, it comes time to pay people, um, Knicks fans sort of like a lot of Knicks fans now to me like you guys were too young to have been scarred as children from the bad contracts that some of the like older guard, like kind of like me, I'm, I mean, you know, I just turned 30. I've seen some, some wild stuff from the early two thousands onward, you know, like really lived through it and felt it as like a grown up. And it, to me, it's like, you guys got to like, let some of this fear go about paying people on Twitter for the last like three, four years. We talk about paying anybody, anybody, any money. And the first thing that I hear is about some, C-list guy who makes $7 million and about why we can get him from a team. We can fleece this team. Like, we don't always need to be in, like, bargain hunting mode, guys. Like, we just got to give it up sometimes. If we have a good play... Like, I saw not a lot... Most people are in agreement about Randall just pay, pay Randall. I saw a, a few things that were just like, but if, if we got to pay, you know? And I was like, sometimes there's no discussion to be had, man. Like, if, if we were all in, in unified agreement that we were cool with... 26 27 million dollars for julius a year then why would we not be okay with 30 million dollars if we were already spending pretty much all of that money on julius randall you mean to tell me the extra couple million dollars a year an extra an extra season of that is a deal breaker for you it's unreasonable people look at this like we always got to be like cap savants like we always got to figure out a way to pay somebody as little as possible and like the knicks are the most valuable franchise in the NBA, the second most fa uh, valuable franchise in all of sports in this country. I never feel like we shouldn't pay top dollar for somebody. I've gotten so much criticism for this. If Julius Randle's going to make $30 million, he's going to make $30 million. Like, you got to pay him. If we don't, some other team's going to pay him. It's that simple. Julius Randle's not going to sign a pity $20 million contract, hometown discount with you guys. For the sake of of Leon Rose being uh you know having a master class and and signing somebody for less than they should be like sometimes guys just get what they're they're paid like it's that simple not everything needs to be a deal to be considered a win is is sort of my point and I think I bring this up 
because Randall's going to have to get paid. And then on top of that, you're now all in on, we got to improve this team in that window. That's now the window we've established. As long as he's here, we got to pay everybody else. We got to pay RJ Barrett when he's doing a couple years. We got to pay whoever else is in the free agent class. We got to try to make adjustments to this team. And every single time these conversations come up, I just do not want to hear it out of your mouths why there's a suitable replacement. There's always an imaginary suitable replacement that we can just let this guy walk and pick some. But like, I don't want to in two years, you guys, oh, maybe RJ didn't improve him as much after year two. You know, maybe instead of, you know, paying him X amount, we could see if he wants this amount or just go trade. for So like, let's just, let's just cut to it, right? Like, let's pay Randall. We're going to have to pay RJ. I don't know how much money. I think he's going to cost us around $100 million American dollars. That's my early ballpark from what I've seen this this season. After his, his rookie season. Um, I don't know that he's going to get the full on. I think normally these guys are getting like five year, $160 million. I don't know that he's going to get that yet. I think he could play into that very easily in the next couple of years. I'm just saying as of May 8th, 2021. I think like... I think 100 might be low for RJ. I think... I think uh, right below Fox. Fox is making what he signed a five-year 163. I think a little below that. Like one, 110, 120 was like where my brain was at initially. Yeah, that's right. Like that's not yeah, that's, that's not insane. Cool, what did J- did Jalen Brown get max? Because I feel like Jalen Brown got four point. years 130. So, so yeah, like that's I think RJ's in that range. RJ's shooting 39, pretty much 40 percent from three guys. I, I would get. I would also, give him Jalen Brown money. Easily. I would, I would give him Jalen Brown money. 100%. And you got it like, I mean, you know, we're, we got a playoff berth now, most likely. May mess around and win a series. You know, maybe next year. Like, every playoff appearance is like another not. Like, that's what mm-hmm. earns. But guys get money in the playoffs. Um, so, that's definitely going to happen. But, yeah, people have to stop with the whole acting like we can't pay people thing. I saw when somebody it's said something about money. Yeah, like everybody on Twitter is Brock Aller. It's crazy. But, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's amazing. It's, it's nuts. But I saw like somebody was like, "Oh no, you know, I, I I'm not paying Julius. I pay for resumes. He's got to do it again if he wants me to pay." Blah blah blah. And I'm just like, bro, like he's like, yeah, remember Jerome James? I'm like, okay, now we're not using sense anymore. And I was like, now we're being disrespectful. Now we're just we're just Come being on. disrespectful so we can make points. I'm disgusted. Um yeah, like this isn't that kind of situation. Jerome James was pretty good for like three playoff games and got a five year thirty million dollar deal. And yes, it scorned us. Okay, you remember that. Cool. Nice detail. Not the same thing. Julius Randle's playing all NBA level basketball for an entire season. He's a star who's improved every single year. Like, it's not the same thing. Let's not, like I said, Dion went through a lot and it took a lot for him to make it back and he really never did. But don't be Dion. Don't be a loser. All right. Like, come on. Let's break free of that. Break free of this. Come on, guys. Bro, every, like, every, dr- every do trade. Not ever compare Julius to Jerome James. Every trade that comes up, it's just like the Carmelo Anthony trade. Every time we're going to pay somebody a contract, it's just like Jerome James. Like, it's it's just it's lazy at this point it's just late it's it's already dishonest which goes without saying but it's lazy like if you're if you're a functioning nba franchise at some point you have to shell out money for players that are very good or appear to be very good like that's how it works and if you don't pay up freely in free agency the designated time to do so because most of the time free agents have chosen not to do that willingly with the knicks then if you're the knicks you have to trade to acquire a player 
if we every time the two options the two avenues to keeping or retaining good players or getting them is met with well we can't do it because 10 years ago we made a trade which they won they they won the carmelo the weirdest talking point they won the fucking carmelo trade they traded five bums by by a mile mile. they traded five bums I, i don't know why we're still talking about this we lost the carmelo trade when we traded for bargani because we paid in a salary dump we paid in a salary dump. The Raptors were trying to escape Bargani, and we paid them to do it. We paid them money. It's supposed to be the other way. That's when we lost the Carmelo air. That's when everything got blown up. The season went to hell in 13 14. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be. Don't, don't forget the Chauncey amnesty. The, the Chauncey amnesty. Like, there's so many different ways that they botched that. You know what I mean? And we, we look at it simply as like, well, we didn't win a ring while Carmelo was here. I don't think the trade was worth it, guys. What did Mozgov <laughs> do besides. One good year of starting with LeBron, and then he disappeared. He got paid by the Lakers, disappeared off into the sunset. You never heard from him again. Wilson Chandler had a great career as a backup. Gallo, oft injured, very good though, very good. Felton immediately a backup after he traded him, then still found his way back to us. Like the the picks, you're always going to give up picks. I don't care what they became. That's never an issue for me. You're trading for a superstar, you give up picks. It may or may not become something. I don't care. It was a fine trade. I don't know why we do this all the time. It was a fine trade. So, but my point again, you, you gotta you gotta do these things if you're an NBA team. That's literally your job as an NBA team. I don't know why we're always fearful of it. We are the Knicks. We should be bullish on these things, especially if we're good right now. Then yeah, all right, let's let's go trade for a good player. We're winning games. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this? Let's come figure it out, man. Get over here. Right, that's that's how this works, man. When you have momentum, you just keep adding stuff. So next couple of years, we're gonna keep doing that. Whether it's paying RJ more money, whether it's paying free agents more money. Whether it's we, we couple couple these young guys up, we we trade them for a, a, another star, whatever it is, we're gonna do something. And I'm tired of hearing you guys complain about it. Complain after the trade. Complain after the signing. Complain if they don't do what they're supposed to do. But if they're taking good swings to get good players, keep good players. Like in this case with Julius, I need you guys to just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. We're winning games. Why wouldn't you want that again next year? If he doesn't do it next year, that's a problem for next year. All right, and two things off that. One, it's not your money. James Dolan is a billionaire. He can afford to pay Randall millions and millions of dollars. Second, you can spend money and make big trades and still make shrewd signings. They did it this week. They signed European guard Luca, uh, Luca Veldoza. You know, so they're doing a little bit of both where they can remain financially flexible while also adding good players and still dish out big money for Randall and RJ. So what is the deal? People just want to do one thing. It's like, no, I don't want fucking Evan Fournier on a one-year, $8 million deal. I want a big, good shooting guard. I want Bradley Beal. Like, that's where my head's at now. Like, stop with the poverty shit. I just want mediocre for the sake of being cheap. I- I'm fine paying up, man. I want very good players. It's that simple. But speaking of our guy, Luca, all I'm going to say is I'm happy they acquired another guard because that means that that could, and again, maybe means nothing. Derrick Rose couldn't take the job from him, but maybe that means the, the end of Alfred if, if we got another guard. That said, uh, I don't really care too much for the signing, uh, and not in a negative sense, just in a, I watched his tape. I thought he's, he's a good, fun-looking pa- passer. Uh, I think he could definitely be of service to this team whenever it is he finally gets over here. But... um. I just have no further opinion until I see him play uh, some kind of games over here. Need to see more. So, seems like it's a, it's a decent shot from what I, I've been looking at. Uh, I never mind a, a savvy attempt at a guard. 
You guys know how I feel. I always say the same thing. Sign, sign every guard. Draft a bunch of guards. Like until we figure all of our guard rotation out, just keep just keep turning it over. Keep turning over new stones. And and they did that with uh, Luca Vodoza. So we'll see if he uh, works out for us here. But I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's a decent swing. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with it as well. Um, I kind of feel similar to you. Like, I saw his tape was cool. He made some pretty nice. You know, there was one pass he made to the corner where I was like, that'd be really nice. Like, he's a playmaker, which is something we don't see from the starting point guard position very much. So it would be nice to see plays made. Um, he also like hits jump shots. That's cool. Uh, I don't know how well he defends. I won't pretend to. Um, and you know, like. Yeah, I had to see him do it over here. Like it's, it looks cool on the tape, but I've seen a lot of tape. Like I gotta see him do it over here. So if he comes over here and does that, it's cool. But I like that they're they're, they're that you know that's explorative. Like I don't know, it's like experimenting like that, being creative. I really like that going over there. Uh, you know, using it before the end of this season. Apparently, he's gonna be covered in free agency. Getting him on a four-year, thirteen million dollar deal. That's not much at all. That's very shrewd. And apparently they have the ability to opt out of the last three years if he gets over here and he's trash. So, like, what is there to complain about there? Wasn't um, isn't that almost exactly like how the Austin Rivers contract was set up? His, his was three yeah. for ten, and did he have, was it guaranteed all the way through? Or did he have some sort of void after the first year? I'm I think, pretty sure. Sh- I want to say it was team Because option. I want to say, if that's the case, and they've done that twice. No, that's an all special. Yeah, so that, so that, no, so, yeah, that means, like, so, so now we know what to look for. If I'm saying, like, in terms of a trend, like, if that's going to be how their swings are, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think it's a good idea. You throw a couple extra years of security for a a lower price, and I, I think all you got to do is hit on one of those, right? That's a, that's always how yeah. I look at it, because you're signing those guys not expecting much. So all all you got to do is like, he turns into you know a, a top seven in your rotation guy for that contract for a couple of years. And that contract already looks pretty sick. Like if you got two Pablo Prigioni years out of him, you'd look it back and be like, oh, yeah, that was four for 13. That was, we didn't even have to keep him the whole time. Those two years were excellent. Yeah. And uh, his teammate in Argentina, uh, Facundo uh, Campoloso, sorry if I butchered that name. He said he's, Luca, this is, he's studied the NBA game. He's very excited to get here. Good size, he's 6'3". Appears like he could shoot, which is already an immediate upgrade. And like, yeah, like you said, Kyle, if he just turns into Prigioni, as long as he can just fill in that second unit, and he looks up to D-Rose, so I feel like he'd be very eager to take in any knowledge Rose imparts, and Rose, on his end, seems to be a willing mentor. We're seeing him doing it with Obi Toppin, who, by the way, just small tangent, Obi Toppin, recent games, man, very encouraging. I, last night he when he got switched out to Chris Paul man I thought it was going to be a disaster Clyde even said it he was like oh boy this is exactly what Chris Paul wanted he got the block ran out for the steal slammed it home it's it's encouraging so that's another part of the second unit that I just wanted to mention it, was, it kind of fell through Obi Obi will be fine guys but uh, yeah so Luca, I think it's more important that they're still focusing on the European players because remember when Perry got here he was all about keeping it domestic and going after domestic pro, pro, uh, prospects. And that's how you end up with Kevin Knox instead of better players. So I'm happy we have wise people in the front office. 
Um, yeah, I, th- they said he's not going to get here until next season. So, I mean, I don't know if that changes anything as far as like, if they look for another point guard in free agency or what they do in the draft. Um, but I guess you can't have too many young, talented players on a roster. So I, I'm with it, but yeah, I mean, I just, uh, th- there's no way, right? There's just no way. Number six is back again, right? There's just it, no it way. Can't be. He can't be. He can't <laughs> I just, be. Like, it's, it's too loud. I now. just look at it like you just said, Sean. Like, I don't know what it means for who else they might sign, but I feel like if you were in such a rush to lock this guy out for four years at the tail end of this season, then that sort of ensures that he's going to have a roster spot entering next season. Like, you wouldn't rush to do that to then cut him in training camp. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So you have some kind of faith that he's going to be on the roster. So to me, it's like, all right, well, you're already giving a spot away next year. You already got quickly in rows, so you probably want same way Austin Rivers started this season in the rotation pretty firmly. Like he was given ample opportunity, I felt like, to keep his spot. He didn't play well, you know, it is what it is, but um I feel like that's gonna be the same similar situation entering the season. Like the those minutes are gonna be up for grabs, and I feel like the only logical thing that happens for me this season, right? Like, wouldn't the most logical thing be like, they go maybe big game hunting. They, they check in on Lowry. They check in on a couple of these, these bigger names, right? Just see, see, see what's up. Maybe you can get a one year, two year overpay type thing. Never know. Um, but if not, I feel like the most reasonable thing is like number six walks. They're going to resign Rose. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm, I'm like 103% positive. They're going to resign Rose to something that's like a two or three year deal. Um, so why not just re-sign Rose to be the starter, right? Or at least, like, that's, like, the sell when you when you sign him initially. And then you already got quickly off the bench, so whenever that switch is ready to happen, you already have that there. You got Luca taking up the third guard minutes, right? Like, that's sort of in line with, like, the, the emer- you know, the Frank break class in case of emergency minutes. You probably have to play Burks less as a, a, a straight-up playmaker. I just feel like things kind of make a lot of sense if you just simply add Luca to this current roster uh, without having seen any, any of his game, just the minutes he's going to take up. And I, I just don't see them like where that really would leave Alfred. Because even when they were trading for Rose, remember it was reported that they were going to, they were doing so with the intent to like, they want to bring him back. I remember reading that multiple times. They, they wanted to do it so that after the season they could sign him again. And everyone rolled their eyes at first, like classic Knicks. They, they think that's the point guard of the future. I don't know about that, but it makes sense as a stopgap for right now is the way I see it. He's played well enough to, and it's with Tibbs. I have no reason to think that wouldn't mostly hold up again next year. It's the way my gut feels at this moment in time. I would like to think that, why would you do a third season elf? Like, why would you be loading up on guard at the end of the season with the way these other guards have played to do a third season elf? I mean, you can't possibly be that stupid. Well, let's remember why Elf was re-signed. Don't forget, it was a very tight window, new coach, so they kind of just ran it back, not to mention Elf CAA. So I think this year there were, it was a confirmation that Elf just doesn't fit this team. He might, he's not, I don't think he's an abysmal NBA player. Like, I don't think he should be out of the league by any stretch. I just simply think he does not fit this roster and what Thibodeau needs from his guard because he just doesn't. It's just is what it is like there's really no further description he just doesn't so i do think this signing was a preamble to elf's departure for sure we can only hope we can only hope 
Yeah. So <laughs> on that note, I think that's about uh it for this one. But I uh, appreciate everybody listening for the last couple of pods. We I know we had Jerry and Pearl. This one is in a, a guestless pod, but you know, just a little housekeeping update on, on the current state of events right now. But um appreciate you guys listening to those last couple of episodes. Um, you know, stay tuned. Hopefully we got a couple more working on some things for you guys. A couple of exciting things out of playoffs. Uh, thank you guys for buying, uh, especially the, the Julius Randle Terminator shirts, uh, as Mike is wearing for this current episode of the podcast. Uh, and Sean will soon be getting. We have a nice order going out for Sean for his uh, his post-game prosperities. I'm not going to even refer to the other P word in the show. Oh, we're going to end this on a good <laughs> note. But, um, but uh, yeah, so keep going to designtreaty.com slash the Knicks wall. Uh, we got a couple new designs up, like the, the Julius Terminator shirt, a Knickerbockers design, a couple different things. Uh, we're going to have a playoff sale coming up. Telling you guys on the pod first. In the next week, probably, you know, closer to one of the regular seasons, seasons dying down. But in enough time that you'll be able to get them for the games. Uh, assuming you all will be spending good money to go to MSG and, and make sure you, your voices will be heard. So, uh, again, designtree.com slash the Knicks ball. Buy some shirts. Keep buying some shirts. Support the brand. Appreciate it. Uh, keep checking the Knicksball.com. A lot of good articles for you guys. Uh, you know, like Mike's. Julius, one we were just talking about on this uh, pod. Uh, and as always, we have things coming up every single day, every single week of every single month of the year. So keep checking that out. Uh, Mike, you, you got anything coming up? I do not, but definitely check out oh, Marco's piece Mike, as Mike, well on Emmanuel you. quickly. I do not, but ch- check out Marco's piece on Emmanuel quickly. It was very good. It's about the importance of 30 footers, and hopefully the team starts trending towards there. Check out the Randall article. I'm sure Quentin has something cooking up. Eli, we have a great staff of writers. Pat Kiernan, who recently joined us, has some good stuff bubbling up. So be on the lookout for that. And on to the playoffs, man. I'm excited. My last thing I'm going to leave you guys with. This is like an end rant. I want you guys, my fellow co-hosts takes on this. So not a Knicks note. This is a general NBA note. So everybody take a deep breath, right? It's nothing, no bullshit, nothing crazy. Everybody just relax, settle in. Yeah, I could feel everybody's eyes rolling. I have something crazy for after. Yeah, yeah, I feel everybody's eyes rolling as, as I as I start the preamble about it. All right, everybody relax. I'm seeing a lot of stuff. I see this all the time about NBA media members get so upset when athletes talk shit to each other, and not just athletes, basketball players. I I don't understand this, and I'd like to talk to you guys, uh, having come up as basketball players around basketball. Um, it feels confusing to me that media members are often confused with how to report or discuss or talk about or even just uh, take in what happens in these situations. Uh, regular, every team in the NBA has fights at practice. Every every team, if you've been on a team, there's been fights at practice, uh, whether it's been uh, – you know, AAU or, or middle school, high school, we've, we've all at some point gotten to some sort of a scuffle with the teammate or an argument with the teammate at, at every level. You've been to a rec league game. You've seen the same thing. Like every huddle, like this is something that is so, so normal to begin with in terms of like, not hostility, but like, you just know how we talk to each other. I've, I, I don't know many others. And again, it happens in every sport, but basketball is the only one I could speak about having played it uh, so frequently growing up where I've never seen a sport where so much like people can take like bad words, cusses, things like that, and take it in such a, a, a nasty, like real life lesson type of way. We got to talk about it. And I bring all this up because this Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns situation again last night, they had some words. They had some words. Kobe and Dwight have had some words. Dwight loves Kobe to this day. 
not just because he passed away. They, they were fine. It was just you have these issues that come up, and during a game, you you talk back and forth. You, I've done this with players on another team. I've done this with teammates. Like it, it's it's not like no the basketball players don't think about this stuff. This isn't something that it, it's a it's a like a, a big deal to them to us. It's very confusing to me when I got to see think pieces every single time a player said a bad word on a court to another player. And then I see things like Jimmy Butler went over the line. Jimmy Butler went over the line. Guys, did he did he go over the like well, what is the line? What what are we upset about? They are teammates that had an issue, former teams that had an issue, and they just it's basketball. You're going to you have an advantage on another player, you're going to keep talking shit. It's Jimmy Butler. Whether or not they had an issue, some guys are just wired like Jimmy Butler to just talk a lot and keep talking and, and get under guys' skin. Kevin Garnett used to be like that. Kevin Garnett may have never seen you in your entire life on a basketball court, never, before the moment he stepped on the floor. And he would just instantly see something about you, just get on you, and he would be talking the whole game. And that's just how it would work. And you, I wouldn't read 15 think pieces about Kevin Garnett picking on a player during a game. It was just Kevin Garnett doing something. This happens in basketball. And it's just a very frustrating thing that it seems like nobody in in current day NBA media seems to acknowledge or understand. Like, players can say bad words, and sort of how Anthony Edwards summed it up. They're just grown men on the basketball court talking a little bit of shit. I don't know why we're talking about this. Like, it's the best way. Like, I... I just want your guys' thoughts because I feel like I'm a, I feel like I, I, I'm old man yelling at cloud whenever I wake up in the morning. I'm seeing this because it's like <laughs> I, I don't get how you could be a media member and like it, it like disturbs you. You know what I mean? Like you got to write something, man. Like that game wraps up and your your first thoughts are that just didn't sit right with me. Seeing Jimmy Butler say some nasty words to Carl Anthony Towns, like, I got I got to go write an article about this. I need two K words in the morning stat. I, I I really don't understand either. Um, or no, I do understand. I understand that they don't they don't understand. But I don't understand how they don't understand, and that's kind of where you're coming from. Because you cover the game, you're close to it, you speak to the players, you should at least kind of understand how it goes. Like yeah, like like Anthony Edwards said, like I I talk shit to people when I go hoop today, and we're not even playing for anything. So like. It's yeah. part of basketball. Like, if there's anywhere where my temper may flare up a little bit or I may have a little more, you know, smoke in my voice, it's the basketball court. Like, it happens, and then after the game, you shake hands and you go home. Like, and these guys, like we saw last last year, Alfred threw Jay Crowder to the floor. Were they about to go to war last night? No, they were at, at a place of business doing their job, and they went their separate ways. Who knows if they like each other? It doesn't really matter. It shouldn't be a story. Who cares? Like Jimmy Butler and Carl Towns clearly have their differences. Those things don't just go away. And yeah, you're going to, I'm pretty sure Jimmy talks to a lot of people. He talks a lot of shit. He's a shit talking individual. That's not news. I mean, he used the third stringers to play the starters and talk shit the whole time. So I don't understand why people are surprised now. Um, But yeah, it's just part of basketball. It's part of who he is. And it's like, if you guys are so upset about it, or if you think it's, you know, mean to Carl Towns, then I don't know. You're kind of just playing into what Jimmy was saying. So maybe stop writing what you're writing because it only has it even looks worse for Carl Towns. Just stop. Just cut it out. Let grown men be grown men. It's just highlighting the people who have never experienced adrenaline pumping through their veins because that's all it really is. I mean, I didn't play professional or even organized basketball much, but I did play organized football. And the same goes where it's like where you're in between the lines. 
you want to win and like when you want to win shit just gets hype like it just that's just how sports is and you can tell people who haven't played sports and just look at it from a, which is fine it's welcome but don't get on your high horse with oh you can't talk be respectful we I, this is why i don't watch baseball anymore because guys like fernando tatis if you hit a home run if you hit a home run 500 fucking feet you're goddamn right i'm gonna flex same thing goes in basketball and basketball even more so where head games could actually swing a series or swing a game. So it's just plays into the whole gamemanship. And that's another thing where if you don't experience it or not around it, you won't get it. And some of these guys, I don't know who wrote the think piece and who wasted their time writing that think piece, but you got to learn to appreciate the game in all facets, not just the box scores. And I feel like that's where most of this is coming from, from guys that, like basketball but don't love the game everything around it like sean said in the park it could be a little ass kid if he's against me fuck it like i'm talking <laughs> shit if i drain a three like it just is what it is and if it's an old ass dude i'm gonna say get your old ass off the court like it just is what it is it's just it, it bothers me because you think that these are people that have been to enough games been in enough gyms or surely like my, my first reaction whenever i see these things is like i've heard so many actually awful things on courts like you know what i mean like actually like they're not saying nothing is ever crossing the line but there's been times when like a line has clearly been crossed and then i'm like oh okay and you actually remember like okay now this is not just basket and usually it's a moment where everyone's like oh okay this is not this is not just the game okay now now we're in a now real life serious moment that we've proceeded with as a group to either break up a fight or you know what i mean it's it's a you have to like snap out of it so to me it's like have Surely these guys have been to games. Surely these guys have been to locker rooms. Like surely they've they've been to practices. Like so, how could you not have seen some of this stuff and then still write the pieces? That that's what frustrates me. Because like it's not even a, a thought in my head. I don't even have a thought where I'm like, I didn't wake up this morning and go, wow, it was fun last night. But man, Jimmy went a little too hard at Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is a grown man. What, what do I look like going on Twitter to go defend Carl Anthony Towns, who also has Twitter? who also has plenty of media availability time to then defend himself as a grown man. Like it, it's their issue, man. Like I don't, I didn't even have a side on it back then. I like both those guys. I like those wolves. I like both those guys. I didn't want, I didn't want that issue to even have taken place in the first place, but it did. But they just got to do what they got to do. I, I just feel like everybody's always got to, we, we got to be a judge. Sure. There's always, something's always got to be right, conveyed the right way. It's got to be done nicely. Like there's got to be a good resolution at the end. Like some sometimes shit just happens, man. Like that's just that's life. That's just basketball. It's life in the NBA, especially. I mean, just, just look at Taj and Paul last night. They got into it oh, very briefly. I mean, Taj apologized in game, so it kind of lessened it. But it was the same principle where it's like, hey, it's a heated moment. Chris Paul is annoying, and he shoved them, and they got over it. You know, it's just part of the game. It's part of the game. Like, it's I don't know why we have to have this discussion. It's sad that yeah. we have to. So I, I know we're really far into it. I had a completely unrelated question. It's a Knicks related question now. That's fine. And it's okay. So is Emmanuel quickly untouchable? No, I well, no. and what's he's not, he's not, he's unto- not, I'm going to, I'll be the first one to dip into the fire here. Okay. He's not, un- he's, he's not, he's not <laughs> untouchable. You. It would just take, it, it would just have to really, like, I'd have to really be getting something back for me to give him up. Is my thing. Okay. How- it's not like RJ, like RJ, like, for example, before you give me your spiel, like when we were talking about like the Beal situation mm-hmm. earlier in the year, I was like, yeah, I'd give up like everybody but RJ. Like 
all the young guys like not named RJ, I, I would I would do like Mitch, Obi, Quick. It would be a lot, whatever the picks are at that point. But like I, I would have understood, you know, if I can keep RJ, I get it. He's not he's not there for me. Like he's got to reach like an RJ level for me to be. He's he's getting there. I, I would really not like to. But what's the situation? The, uh, OK, because that, that, my question is kind of almost how how untouchable is he like? Because for me, he's not a small asset at all. Like he's not. I agree. I, think I agree. Because I agree. of what his trajectory is, and like you know what he can do, what he could be. I because it's funny when the Dame when the Dame rumors came up, I was just you know not that I thought that it was serious or anything, but I started thinking, okay, like what does that package cost? And I saw that we were saying we're willing to give up three or four first round picks. This is you know not what we're who knows, but three or four first round picks so that we can keep RJ and Obi. And I'm like, okay, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Obi threw me. Obi threw me off. I was like, "Wait, what?" I, I thought was I was like, gonna say RJ and quickly. I was like, "Okay," you know. So I was like, "Okay," but yeah. then I was like, "Is there a way to trade for Damian Lillard and keep Emmanuel quickly?" And I was like, "No, there isn't." And then I thought about it, and I was like, "Yo, there's probably nobody in the world who I'd like to have more than Damian Lillard." And I was like, <laughs> "Like, if you trade quickly, I'm not trading quickly and three first. Like, he's." You know, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that you can't trade him at the value that he's worth. Like, you don't get to trade him straight up with, like, two first-round picks, and then they're like, all right, cool. So you got to throw him in with a bunch of other things, and I think that you trade him at less than what his value could be. If you, So it's just weird on what his value really is uh, because okay. of what he could be. I get what you're saying now. Okay, now I understand you. No, I, but I'm kind of in the same thinking where I don't want to trade him for uh, – even swap if that makes sense like i want to get dame and to your point with lillard there's only one person i want more than lillard and it's steph curry so if it's a package for those guys yes i would be more than happy to trade them but if it's like somewhat even like I'm trying to think of a player like fox maybe i don't think fox is available or even would get you get for quickly but i would definitely have much more pause than if it's for a surefire superstar. I know Kyle, you're you're Fox guy, so yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know like what the the level comparison would be for quickly, so I don't, I don't really care to touch on that part. But um, I, I would if we're if we're talking about like a, a true superstar, like you know you're getting a, like a real top level star at the p- top three or four at that position, especially top you know five to ten in the NBA. <laughs> we're we're kind of talking about here, like yeah, you you just I, lo- I love Emmanuel quickly. You give him up and you get Dame Lillard and then you figure that part out after that. Um, I, I, because I agree with what you're saying. I just think like if there's a time that you're going to trade quickly, it's generally in hopes for one of those kinds of guys, right? So that's kind of like the trade-off. Is like if you do end up hitting on one of these really good young guys, these really good young guys are kind of going to be the first thing that get asked for for a true really good already player where you're not worrying about what he might be in a couple of years or if they're going to peak in year two and then plateau and we don't, you know, things happen with young guys. I have a lot of faith in quickly. I think he's going to be really, really good. I'm not saying he's going to plateau, but I, I don't think twice about those kinds of trades. I, I think that's, it's almost like the, the Pelicans you, when you, you give something up for AD, like when the Lakers were trading Ingram, like you, you have to imagine they, they really liked Ingram. He, he was in a featured role for them, right? He was like before LeBron and then even playing off LeBron. He was like the number two, right? Like you had to know they probably didn't want to get rid of him. It's Anthony Davis. You, you, you get rid of him. You get rid of him. You get rid of Lonzo and 
And that's great if it works out for New Orleans also because you got Anthony Davis and you're the Lakers. Like, that's the way that I, I would look at all those trades. Like, even if, even if you give up something and then they, they hit that next gear or two in the next year, I still look at it like, all right, man, well, that's good for them, but that's why we gave them up because we had to get Anthony Davis and that's the only way. That, that's sort of how I feel about quickly. It's always going to suck. Like, you should never feel like, great, I'm so glad we got rid of quickly. It's like, stinks we had to get rid of him, but it's, it's Damian Lillard, man. You can't, you can't say no to Damian Lillard. That's like how my, my head works with those trades. Right, and just one thing, one, I guess you call it a caveat. This isn't analogous, but Landry Fields, remember when we were thinking about trading for Melo, and some people were like, I'm drawing the line in the sand at Landry Fields. It's like, why? Because Fields at the time was a rookie of the year candidate, great season, but look how stupid that would have looked. Three, not even three years, even la- the year after, that would have been embarrassing if the Knicks didn't trade for Carmelo Anthony because they refused to include Landry Fields. Now, Mozgov ended up replacing Fields in the package, but the point remains, don't be a prisoner of the moment. Like, quickly, if you think he's going to be good, wish him well, because I don't think the Knicks are going to trade him for anything less than a superstar. Yeah, I love IQ. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't trade him for anything less than a superstar. Like, if it's Dame, you got you to do it, of course. It would hurt, though. And then there was, there's a part of me that just is a little bit... When I think about his ceiling, I think his ceiling is crazy. And I think he could, we could really start seeing it, especially like year three, year four. I think Emmanuel quickly in year three and four is going to be insane. And there's just a part of me that's like a little bit scared of like when you make that trade and then like it doesn't pan out or whatever. I mean, like I said, if it's Damian, make the trade. But for anybody else, really, because it's just like to watch him terrorize the league for the next 15 years... And though you gave him away as part of a package to bring in Zach Levine would hurt. And I love I, Zach Levine. I, I, but, I don't know. So. I, I, I don't know. I, I still told the line. Like I, like, I understand what you're saying. But at the same time, like, even if we got Zach Levine, I'd be like, all right, man. I mean, he's Zach Levine. He gave you pretty much 50, 40, 90. Last two years, high-volume three-point shooter. I mean, you can't make me feel bad about that. At best-case scenario, quickly, he's going to be a, a, a 25, 30-point-per-game guy. High volume three point shooter, 50, 40, 90. So if I already got that, then the mystery box has already been solved. You know what I mean? Like that's that that's sort of the way that I try to think about it too. Like if if I am scared about trading quickly, what's the production that I'm scared of giving away, best case scenario? And if that if I can't imagine him being at the guy that I'm already getting, and that's not to like scoff at quickly's upside, because largely I agree with you. The reason I don't I, I would balk at him more than anybody else is because of that shooting and inside outside scoring ability that he has. It's not that he's just a good shooter. He's a good shooter who can also get to the paint whenever he wants, and he's effective there with both drawing the fouls and also with the floaters. So it's really easy to see a couple different really starkly positive uh, avenues that his uh, career can kind of go because of that. So I understand, but if, and, and at the end of the day, like if I'm going to get like a, a nearish top scoring type talent especially if they're mega efficient like that i i don't care you'd have to like for me i think i draw the line like those sort of fringe like lower 20 point per like mid to lower 20 point per game guys where like even this i I promise this isn't even to be like disrespectful i just mean with this specific team it's like if they were going to trade for like jimmy butler i don't know that i would be into it because it's like well Typically, you know, like, it's like well, you'd want someone who's going to score more, shoot, but you know what I mean? It's like, and in that scenario, yeah, like, I, I, why would I do that? It depends on, like, who the guy I'm, I'm going to be giving up is. 
Like if I'm going to get somebody who's who's going to be scoring a lot, and that's what I want quickly to be, it's like all right, then jo- jobs accomplished in one way. I don't know. Yeah, that, and more mm-hmm. importantly, you don't want to sacrifice what. Don't forget, like I was, I referenced Marco's piece a few minutes ago. Don't you don't want to give away someone who's brought a much needed dynamic scoring ability where defenses have to now press up to three point. You don't want to give that away if you're not getting something of similar style back. That's why I did mention Fox or just other shooters, maybe even even Lonzo. Like I don't think I would want to like if it was a, a sign and trade for Lonzo. I don't want to really give up quickly because. I'm more bullish on quickly becoming a great shooter than Lonzo. So it's that's the other part that I want to weigh when talking about whether I would trade him or not. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was just my burning question. I was like, I saw the Dame thing, and I was like, oh, I would love to get Dame. And I was like, damn, this would cost me a million quickly. Yeah, but, well, yeah, because you know how this works. Every t- we, we can't talk about these things on the internet because when we do – you get yelled at for even suggesting you want to give up like Frank Knox and a second round pick. So you can't even, you can't even like you. Cause I saw this too with the, with the Mitch stuff earlier in the year, people before even the injuries and shit like that, people were just like, Hmm, the wall's not bad. Do you think we should maybe like look at trying to sell high on Mitch? And then everyone's just like, Oh my God, I'm going to have a stroke. You fucking suggested trading Mitchell. And it's like, guys, like we should be generally thinking about trading like 90% of the team every year to try to figure out like how we could improve the team. That's sort of how it works. doesn't mean we hate Mitchell Robinson. It just means what can Mitchell Robinson get us is a question is a question we like to ask sometimes. It might get you something really good, especially if you have a guy who can step in. doesn't mean we want to get these guys out of here. You try to bring up, if you even mention Emmanuel quickly in trade, even if you don't, that's why we had to, we have to like have eat this like nine different ways. We don't want to trade Emmanuel quickly. We're just talking about the possibility of a superstar trade if it were ever to happen involving Emmanuel quickly, what would we do in that scenario? We don't want to give him up. But we have to say that stuff because everybody's very sensitive. You can't even bring it up. Everybody's going to think you want to trade Emmanuel quickly. It's a ridiculous thing we have to do. So <laughs> nobody's trying to part with him willingly. It's just... Having said that, he's above Obi in the uh, value rankings, I, though. I think we I, can I thought that was that. just a very obvious, like, e- either, yeah, either just, CAA play or like a... Oh, Obi's untouchable. Like you guys will see how special he is. Like, well, why why, why do the Knicks yeah. feel he's untouchable to like make interest appear in him type thing? Even though he's been playing better, I'm not trying yeah. to, to slander him. Oh no, of course, no, we love it. Obi. It was just, but like R- I, 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 RJ I to Obi is kind of a. There's a, there's a long there's a there's it's a, gap. a pretty it's a pretty clearly a different thing at this point in time. So I, those two being the first like like Sean said, RJ and Obi, RJ and quickly, yeah, RJ and Obi's like. <laughs> I, I just I just took it as because of the um the deal that they were talking about because you're obviously actually no now that I'm thinking about it I'm, what the fuck yeah wouldn't about, they dude? wouldn't like, they want to quickly back like I was just thinking I was like yeah I was thinking like oh you don't want to give up a power forward for I don't know what the fuck I was talking about like that made no sense now that I'm talking hear myself talk through it yeah I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was it had to be a CAA uh promo but on that note. We will uh yeah. we'll end this pod after <laughs> sneaking you guys through what you thought was the ending and what is now the actual ending of the pod. So uh, appreciate you guys for being good listeners, uh, sticking through it to the end if you made it. Unless you cut off when I started talking about Design Tree, then you just got another <laughs> opportunity to talk about Design Tree here. So designtree.com slash the Knicks will buy some shirts. But uh, in all seriousness, guys, good episode. Glad we caught up. Appreciate you guys listening every week. 
and we'll talk to you guys next week after we end this uh, West Coast trip on a high note before we get back to MSG. So that's that energy. That's the energy we got to have. So we'll talk to you guys Tentos. then. Adios. Take it easy. Peace. All right. Cool. Oh. That's all right. We'll do it the next one. It's fine. I mean, we did just talk right through it, but it's all right. <laughs>